This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Clint Hatton. He's an author, motivational speaker, personal development and leadership coach and the founder of Big Bold Brave in McKinney, Texas. He has been coaching individuals and teams for over 20 years with a proven track record of helping people grow personally, achieve success and build healthier relationships. Clint recently published his first book, Big, Bold, Brave, How to Live Courageously in a Risky World. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Roman. It's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for jumping on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, well, you know, I I think I want to go back a little ways just to bring some context to what I think is relevant even today, you know, because this this life is a journey, right? It's not really a destination. It's not these individual moments, but it just it's the course of your life. And so, you know, I was born and raised in Southern California, had a pretty normal life, you know, nothing unusual, nothing spectacular, you know, lower middle-class family. Uh, around my teenage years was the first real life challenge that I ever had to face. My parents had been married for over 25 years and my dad decided to have an affair and it just blew everything up. Uh, he moved out for about a year and a half and, you know, my mom didn't handle it well, um, you know, became suicidal, uh, actually almost took me out a couple of times with her, um, once in a car and then once with a, a handgun when she was hiding in a closet and I jumped on her to try and stop her. So, you know, it was a pretty traumatic life experience at that age. And ultimately, you know, they end up reconciling, they end up being married 65 years before they passed away, but, you know, it, it left a mark that I didn't fully recognize until well, until probably my young adult years. And along with that, I didn't choose the best coping mechanisms. You know, I got pretty heavy into alcohol abuse, um, did a lot of drugs. And even though in my twenties, I was, I was a sales professional, uh, but I did meth for almost nine years during that time, you know, and I think it probably fooled a lot of people because I had the shirt and the tie and, the uh, otherwise professional mannerism, but, you know, I was a train wreck, um, just making it, you know, producing to a certain level, but, but a train wreck. And so eventually I just, Roman, I, I just got to the point, I was about 30, 31 years old. And I just, I made this decision. I like to call these courageous decisions, um, not knowing, you know, the far further reaching implications of it, but I just knew I didn't want that to be me anymore. I'd actually just come down off of, uh, you know, being up on uh, meth all night. And I just, I didn't feel the same. My body didn't feel the same. I didn't have the fun that I thought I was having before. And I just, I just made that decision. Like I'm done. And I quit cold Turkey and I've never looked back since. So then, you know, fast forward and the re- and the reason why I share that for your listeners is, is I truly do believe what I said just a minute ago is that, you know, there's things that happen over a lifetime that sometimes you respond to well, and sometimes you don't. But if you're a lifelong learner, you learn through them all. 
and they can they can stack and they can become things that help you face maybe the greatest challenges you'll ever face and that's effectively what has happened to me you know i as you stated in my bio i've been i've been helping people for a really long time um, something i've always enjoyed doing i had not launched out into the personal development coaching space until just this last year and that came out of the pain of my greatest life challenge. Um, my oldest son, I have three boys. I've been married almost 20 years, three boys. One of them, his name was Gabriel. He got super excited about aviation when he was about eight years old, wanted to fly, held on to that. By the time he was 16, he entered a four-year aviation program in the high school here in McKinney, Texas, which is North Dallas. And, uh, so he started that and then he started with a club that was at the local airport with a gentleman that like mentoring teens. And so by the time he was 16, he actually got an opportunity to start flying. Uh, as a matter of fact, he soloed before he had a driver's license, which is kind of a strange thing, right? It's not typical. And so he got his private pilot's license by the time he was 17 years old, which is as early as you can get it, and was just living his dream. And honestly, life was pretty good and pretty normal, you know? And then one night, uh, he, he needed some night hours and he flew a friend home to the university of Arkansas, that area, uh, to drop her off so she could get back to school from a weekend here. And on his way back, he ran into a unexpected storm system. And ultimately, uh, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with Kobe Bryant, the Laker, you know, great, his crash and with the helicopter pilot. That's exactly what happened to him. He suffered from spatial disorientation. And basically, you think you're flying up, you're flying down, and so on. And he crashed and lost his life, which was, you know, needless to say, um, a life-altering situation for us. It was something that any of your listeners who have been through, you know, anything like that know your life has changed forever. It really is. Um, everything changes on a dime. And so, you know, how that plays into where I am today, that was in September of 2019, so a little over three years ago. I just began to take a deep dive into who I was, um, what I've been doing up to that point, what I really wanted out of life, and perhaps more importantly, you know, how for our family, how are we going to walk this out and not let that devastating blow um, you know, destroy us, which unfortunately often does happen. And so I made a decision. Um, it was actually the morning of the crash. And I, my boys were the two, two younger ones were only nine and 14 at the time. And so we did not bring them into what was happening through the course of the night. Cause it was, it was a, you know, your worst nightmare. We got a call at like eight o'clock at night the night before. And Really didn't even know for sure he was gone until about 3.30 a.m. So it was a very long, you know, strenuous night. And so I had to tell my boys what had happened. And so I, you know, I gave them the, you know, the details. And uh, obviously we allowed them to to weep and, you know, scream out. I mean, it was a, it was an ugly moment, Rome, really. But then, you know, you're faced when with life challenges, you're, you're always faced with a decision, right? You're going to have to determine what am I going to do next? And so in that moment, what I told my boys was, listen, we have two choices. We can choose to just live 
in the death uh, and pain of losing him in the way he died, second guess it, you know, um, you know, constantly focus on what we don't have now since he's not with us anymore, or we can choose something else. We can choose to honor the way he lived. And, you know, you already know he was a pilot at a very young age. He taught himself guitar. He was a pretty amazing photographer. And I'm super grateful I have hundreds of his photos. You know, he just attacked life. And so I said, we're going we're gonna to choose life. And we're going to choose to honor his life by focusing on how he lived, not how he died. And then we're going to live the same way. Whatever that means to each of us, whatever our purpose is, we're going to maintain that. And that's not to say there's been a lot of pain. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, it's nothing you sign up for, right? It's a club that nobody wanted to actually join, but it is part of our story. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. They say, obviously it's, it's even more saddening where a child passes before, you know, the parent, um, you know, my wife and I have experienced Nothing where it's almost an adult's child, but, you know, we went through in terms of starting a family, went through six miscarriages. And I think uh, same thing when you talked about how you choose kind of to live, um, you get to a certain point and obviously you have also family members that get older and things of that nature start getting health issues and uh, unfortunately passing. And both of my grandparents have passed in the last two and a half, three years of each other. They both passed when they were 88, my grandmother this past summer. But um, my grandfather was the person that I, I, the closest person up until that time that I lost. So I remember I didn't handle it as well as my grandmother. Um, with my grandmother, I got a little bit of time. She had a cancer diagnosis, but they only gave her like a few weeks to live after the diagnosis. So I spent every day with her and try to make it the best and, you know, you know, positive and kind of document and record some of those moments and things she would pass on to, you know, our kids and stuff like that. But uh, with my grandfather for, I would say a few weeks, I kind of just like shut down in a way. So um, shut down, kind of communicating to people. It affected my work, all my relationships. And then I thought about it. um, Would this be honoring him? Would he want me to, you know, do this or, you know, knowing that he was proud of me and, you know, who I'd become, should I, you know, continue striving and and going to where I wanted to in life, like in all aspects of life and living life to the fullest, because that's what he would have wanted me to do. And then when I switched that over, I kind of uh, got out of that mindset or got out of, I, I mean, that, you know, I guess the, out of that grieving process, because, you know, you lose somebody, you truly don't, heal in a way it's like you have a wound and then that wound becomes a scar you you learn how to learn with uh live with that pain and not let it necessarily you know engulf your life at that point yeah no that's so true and you know i think thank you for sharing that first of all you know uh, loss is loss right when you talk about losing a loved one it's it's a painful thing it's a reality of being human and we all understand that you know consciously we know someday we're all going to die right um but i don't care if you know my grandmother made it to 95 you know uh, gabriel made it to 17 uh, we we had a miscarriage as well and and uh, my heart goes out to you for you guys to have that many that's 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 a tough thing that's a really hard thing um so loss is loss but I love the way you describe what happened with your grandfather, you know, because some people stay trapped in that initial stage that you described for their entire lives. And 
you know, I, I, when I say something like what I'm about to say, it's not in any way trying to um, dishonor them or make them feel bad about it, but it is, it's like a second tragedy where one life is, is now gone. And then now another one is completely throttled um, out of just pain, you know, and what you said is probably one of the most difficult things I have found with people talking to me about losing my son. And that is the pain never goes away. Life, life was altered in an instant, you know, but what I've come to terms with and, and the way I like to say it is, is listen, I'm not looking for the pain to go away because that represents someone I deeply loved. That's why there's still pain because of that deep love we shared. And as with you, with your, your grandfather and your grandmother. And so it's not, it's not about not having pain, but it is about being able to learn how to feel the pain. And when triggers and memories come that maybe sometimes invoke, you know, sadness or even anger, you know, whatever, um, to be able to feel that, but then not live there, you know, because you need to exchange that emotion relatively soon to be able to, to move forward and live your life and love the other people around you well, and to do the things that you know you've been, you know, called to do or purpose to do. Yeah, I mean, it has to get repurposed because, like you said, um, when it arises, you know, over time, and like you said, like it's only human to um, to have that if you actually truly love somebody or cared about somebody. You're not gonna you know, feel anything if it's somebody, you know, maybe you were briefly friends with somebody for, you know, a month or so, and you, you never heard from them, you may not, you know, feel anything. I mean, it might be sad if something happens or whatnot, but that kind of lasting feeling shows you that that person was, you know, truly special. And it's a, also a way to, you know, not forget their memory. So, you know, when you do feel it and, and those emotions come out or get associated or triggered to certain things, you know, throughout life, like being able to harness that is like you said, like you can't just bottle it up because if you start bottling it up, that's what leads to uh, specific issues um, like anger. Well, for me personally, you know, sometimes anger issues or just being short and uh, being self-conscious of that and being able to um, be self-aware to identify it and, and figure out like a coping me mechanism along the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to, to your, um, original question, just what got me here. So that, that gives the listeners a little bit of just a background of, you know, my more recent life. But, you know, another thing that I have found you know, through personal experience with this and then, and then talking to a, a lot of people about similar, um, similar journeys is that when you suffer a loss like this, death can in a sense become your friend or it can become an enemy. And what I mean by friend is, is you you really if if you're trying to view this through a healthy lens you really are so much more intentional about every breath is precious right none of us and we all know that you know consciously but but you're more intentional about it, that you know we're not you and I are not guaranteed past this interview right and so you can use that as a catalyst and that's one of the things that really happened with myself and my family and what led me to be doing what I'm doing now, because I, I, I looked at the way Gabriel lived and he was 
across the board, almost fearless, you know, made a lot of courageous decisions. I mean, <laughs> getting in a plane at 16 and your instructor jumping out and saying, go for it, you know, that takes, takes a little bit of uh, courage, you know. And I realized that there were components of my life after he died that I was very courageous in certain areas. And then there were certain areas that I wasn't. And, you know, one of those was I had thought about stepping out into the personal development, um, you know, industry for years, because even though I've been working with people for many, many years, I was pastor in a church and it was really through that kind of a role. And I wanted to step out of that for many years. I wanted to help everybody, regardless of their faith, regardless of, you know, what they thought or believed. And, but I just fear, you know, fear gripped me. I was, um, I mean, there may be some guys out there that understand this, you know, you, you get to where you're doing the one thing for a period of time where it's maybe not enough to make you wealthy, but just enough to pay your bills steady to where it's scary to think about not having that and stepping out. And, you know, so I went through all that, but the phrase big, bold, brave, which I'd like to share with you, that came out of something that I said in a TV interview. We, we had a, a NBC had contacted us the day after Gabriel passed and they were going to do a story bottom line because of his age, they were going to do a story. And basically, and the, and the reporter was very kind. She said, listen, if you'll, if you'll do it with me, you can tell the narrative. You can say what you want to say about your son and about your life. And so we, for that reason only, we chose to do it because it was, it was not an easy thing. But in that, I just said, he lived as like big, bold, brave. And Roman, it didn't mean anything at the time. It was just those words came out. But have you ever like just said something <laughs> or heard something? And for some reason, it just kind of rings true and there's something to it. And you're not even sure what, and that's, that's kind of how it happened. I'm like, man, there, there's something to that. And so after a period of time, just a few months, that became our personal mantra, you know, just as a family. But then I began to realize, listen, I am so tired of not chasing my own dreams fully. Sure. I've had an impact with some people. Sure. I've helped some people and that's all wonderful. It's, it's great. I'm thankful for that opportunity. But I have known for a long time I wanted to do something different and just didn't have the courage to do it. And so that was part of the catalyst. And I decided that's why the company is named Big Bull Brave. That's why I have a tattoo that says Big Bull Brave on it. And uh, that's why I wrote the book, because I really wanted to be able to help people with And we don't need to talk a lot about the book, but this book is not a grieving book. I just want to make that point for anybody that's listening. It, it does describe some of our grieving process. But back to our you know, early part of our conversation already here today, there's just a lot of characteristics and values that we have, we feel are core values to us as a family that we have lived by over the years when we have been faced with other challenges that at that time was the greatest challenge we ever had to face, right? Until it came to the point where obviously this was the greatest challenge our family has ever faced. And I really think because of the overall journey and willing to be um, teachable and learn and grow that that has gone a really long way. And so that's, that's really why I wrote the book. There's a lot of things in there just about, you know, mindsets and life philosophies and, and, uh, quite a few exercises, and different things to help people do that, uh, from a personal development standpoint. But, um, it's, it's been an amazing ride and an amazing journey. 
Yeah, and I think everything in life uh, like happens to prepare you for the next thing, especially you know challenges and uh, the way you you know handle them or learn from them because you don't control how you know life happens. Life dictates itself to to you. You can plan it all out, and you know something catastrophic can happen and then i mean kind of like a quick thing that you know that has overlapped on several interviews like basically everything in life is a lesson or a blessing and if you kind of take it that way even you know the most traumatic things you can learn something from it or take something away from it and harness it in the positive to potentially obviously help other people that have experienced similar things um you know help yourself help your family or, or just take something out of it and not take them negative and, and, you know, kind of carry that uh, ongoing wound with you, but take something and, you know, do it, I guess, in honor of, you know, the people around you as well. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. You know, that's why I love what you're doing and just, you know, having conversation, just real, you know, real raw truth <laughs> about just life and different ways that people have been able to find a way to conquer and, to me, I, I really think, you know, for somebody out there who maybe has suffered a really big loss and let's face it, you know, since COVID hit three months after my son passed away. So everybody has suffered something, you know, in the last couple of years, many people did lose a loved one and many people have lost careers and businesses. And, you know, there's been a lot of forms of loss, right? And I think it's so important that there's something about even in your darkest days of this desire that somehow, even though what happened to me is not good, uh, I'm going to find a way to spend this, not just for myself, but I'm going to use this experience to somehow help someone else. And I think that was, or has been a really big part for us. You know, I, I remember even the day of, you know, the day when it happened, one of the first things we found out was the uh, the daughter, well, the mom and daughter. The daughter was the girl that Gabriel had f- flew up to uh, Arkansas and dropped her off safely, thank God. And they were feeling really guilty as if that was their fault. The mom was the one who asked him if he wanted to fly. And, you know, and we're, you know, here we are, we're in our like worst nightmare possible moment. And I say this not to pat ourselves on the back or, make us sound like we were superheroes or something like that. I, I'm, I'm telling you this because I think it just helped so much is rather than just kind of push that to the side and well, we'll help you when we can, you know, we actually texted them and they were in our home about two hours later and we had a great discussion and we talked to the young lady and, you know, just said the things that need to be said that, you know, it wasn't her fault. She was already dealing with kind of the, the, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, forgetting the name of it now, but when, when someone else passes away and you didn't, you know, you feel bad about it. I can't think of the term now, but, um, it, it, it did something for us too. And the same thing was later that evening, there's an entire club of like 20 kids and parents that were involved in his aviation program. And we had gotten word pretty quickly that they were looking at maybe shutting down the entire program just because of what had happened. And, and, and Gabriel was kind of bigger than life. He was one of the original members. He was one of the leaders of it, you know, very gregarious. So, you know, he was, he was a big personality, 
And uh, so we found ourselves just a few hours later, less than 24 hours after he left that hangar, out at the hangar with all these families and just talking to them and loving on them and, and encouraging them, you know, listen, don't stop. Don't, don't you dare give up on your dreams. Don't you dare shut this thing down because of what happened to him. Much like what you said about how your grandfather would feel. It's like, no, he, he, that was the last thing in the world he would have ever wanted was for this thing to get shut down. And so I think, you know, if you can, if you can posture yourself to where even though bad things happen, it's like, okay, I'm going to make a decision. I'm not going to find good in necessarily what happened, but I am going to figure out the good and where I can, what I can do with this, how I can use it. Yeah. I mean, you only have two options to either stay in that state and relive that over and over again and not, you know, be able to kind of cope with it or you move on and, and harness it and, and, and do something else with it. Um, and I think, uh, anyone that shares anything like that, you know, you're, you're sharing that experience. It's, I mean, it's a tough thing to share over and over again on interviews and stuff like that. But um, I thought about something similar. So if you've experienced something or you do something and you figure out that potentially there's no one out there really sharing that point of view or that perspective, or you can help at least one person out there, then share it regardless of, you know, how scared you are about it. Because um, when I, when we went through our first miscarriage, I, you know, I looked online for resources like, you know, that, that situation or that experience from a male perspective, there isn't really a lot because obviously men traditionally, especially I'm from Eastern Europe, very stoic, don't show emotion, don't, you know, showing emotion is, you know, correlated with weakness per se. <clears throat> so I couldn't find anybody even like just, you know, briefly like in a blog post or something where they, you know, discussed how they, they handled it or they coped with it because, I mean, you kind of go numb and obviously that leads any kind of loss of a child leads a lot of the time right after to, you know, family falling apart, you know, uh, relationships ending because of that, you know, you're not you know, kind of dealing with it together, handling together. So I started talking about it on different interviews and different podcasts, like just going through that experience from a male perspective. And even like a lot of shows that were focused, like, you know, their women focused show, they, you know, brought me on to talk about it because nobody ever really shares. So if you have something like that or an experience where you see no one's sharing that potentially, you know, life-changing or tragic thing that how you actually harnessed it and, and turned it into a positive, then share it. I, I, I obviously don't go out there and, you know, no one's forcing you because some people are a little bit more private about the information they put out. But like I made a decision where, you know, anything that I've experienced in life is an open book as long as somebody can, you know, take something out of it or learn something from it or potentially avoid, you know, the, the pain and grief that I've experienced uh, along the way. Yeah. I, I love what you just said. You know, I, what I call, I have a chapter called giving your pain a purpose because that's kind of the reality of pain. You know, that's really kind of what we're both saying. You can, you can term it differently, but you're telling your pain where to go because you have pain, but you're going to, you're just going to tell it what direction it's going to take you, you know? And I think there's just something powerful about that. And to your point too, though, you know, maybe not everybody's going to express that in the same way. You know, they may not jump on a podcast like we are, you know, they may not write a book or whatever, but it may be just as powerful 
that they have one conversation with one other human being the rest of their life and it dramatically impacts that person. You know, the absolute best advice I got when I did finally decide to write the book, and and I think that's worth mentioning too, it was a couple of years. You know, I I, I didn't have the capacity right out the shoot. You know, when we were living by these values that I have described to you and the ones I wrote about, um, but to actually turn around and publicly go out there with that, that took some time to be ready for that. And there is no, you know, there's no magic formula for that. For me, it was a couple of years before I could do it. Someone else, maybe 10 years, you know. Um, but ultimately, I think the best advice I got for the book, which I think is just true, is sharing your story, period, is he said, don't write it to get rich. Don't write it to try and be this big influencer. Write it as if you're just going to help one person. And I don't know how that would be for every writer. I can only speak for myself, but that was massive. Um, and one of the greatest compliments I've gotten actually with the book from uh, the several people who have read it and some of my endorsers are that they felt like it was written to them, you know. And and to me, that's what your listeners need to know is, man, you, you've been through stuff in life. You've overcome stuff. Everybody has overcome something. And your story matters. Everybody's story matters. And you just never know when saying something that may sound really simple in your story to you is profoundly impacting to somebody else who's hurting or confused or angry or, you know, whatever the emotion. And so find your voice because you have one. You absolutely have one. And, you know, it's funny, I I work with my publisher and, and some of the other authors, I have several friends that are authors. And we, we all say the same thing now. It's like, everybody should write a book. <laughs> everybody should write a book, you know? And I know that most people probably feel the same way I did because I fought not writing this book, but I fought writing a book for probably 15 years. I mean, the idea of writing a book, people were asking me all the time, why don't you put this stuff in the book? So that idea was there, but I was always felt like, gosh, isn't there enough books in the world, you know? But the truth is, is, you know, your story is unique. Your story, it, it's authentic and it matters. And so I would encourage, I didn't plan on going in this direction, but I would just encourage everybody listening to this whenever you listen to it, that write a book, even if you never publish it, even if you never send it out, even if it's just maybe a, a legacy to leave you know, your children or the loved ones behind you, write it out. And I think what was, what was interesting to me, just the process of it, was you really begin to realize, gosh, I've really done more things than I ever thought I had done. I've really have been more successful in a lot of ways than I ever gave myself credit for. Um, and and you learn so much about yourself. Have you written a book, Roman? I have not, but uh, if I if I started the, my podcast when I wanted to start it, I would have started it probably like three or four years earlier. I think it's, you know, with any kind of endeavor, first it's scary. Like you said, even, you know, when you thought about moving into the personal development space in general, because, you know, you reach a certain level, you have a family, you become, you conform to a situation. And I think complacency is the death of innovation. So when you get to a comfort state, you get, you, you kind of slip in terms of kind of that hunger too. And it's, I think it's human nature to, uh, you know, preserve 
you know, a situation for, uh, you know, long for kind of safety, like a safe state. So as soon as you start telling yourself you're going to do something, you know, the back of like your mind, your conscience starts telling you and gives you different doubts. So, you know, why, you know, you're making a, a decent living, you have all these bills and kind of excuses and you, you basically are your biggest critic and you talk yourself out of stuff before anybody else does. So kind of getting past that first hurdle and um, especially, I mean, for example, for podcasting, uh, you know, things that discourage you okay the amount of editing you have to do uh the hosting of the audio the promotion of it so you know a 30 minute episode in the back end there's probably four or five hours of work to do um and that wasn't necessarily the discouraging part just like the technology what do you do there here there the other but like with anything else you kind of figure it out along the way you find kind of sometimes a tribe that points you in the right way but like you said, I mean, I would potentially even recommend someone if they have trouble writing, just do it in audio format and then obviously get that down and, you know, into text form. But regardless of whatever that endeavor is, you know, if, if you want to do it, just do it. One, you don't know what will happen, you know, today, later in the day or tomorrow, and you don't know how many people it can help what you're going to do or you know you don't know where that thing will take you in life potentially uh you know to a lot bigger and better things yeah and i think you know that's to me one of the scariest things about when fear rules right is fear will try to convince us to not take those steps and not do that thing whatever it is and a lot of times we'll hear stuff like you know well what if what if you fail what if you lose a bunch of money? What if you, you know, this, this business fails and you can't get a job again? What if, what if, what if, you know? And, and I've, you know, I certainly had to battle that for a lot of years. So I can, I can really empathize with anybody that that's a struggle right now. Um, but ultimately I, I just began to change my personal belief system by telling myself a different story, you know, which is just, well, okay, that's great. But what if? What if it is successful? What if I help a thousand people? What if I help a million people? What if I become a great author? Because I actually ended up really enjoying writing a book and I already got a couple more I know I want to write. You know, what if it works? <laughs> you know, what if what if I'm just so wildly successful beyond what I ever could have imagined? But if we give in to fear, it, that never happens, right? Because we never intentionalize. We don't take those steps to just throw the spaghetti against the wall in a in an ordered way, right? We we don't do things without studying and learning and researching, but just massive action to chase your dream, whatever it is, and and let the rest play out, you know. Yeah, people don't regret the uh, the things they didn't do, kind of on their deathbed or you know in their seventies, eighties, nineties. They regret you know all the what ifs in their lives that they could have, should have, but uh, but didn't. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I've actually heard a couple of different talks with some uh, studies that back that up. You know, and what, gosh, what, just what a what a boring way, you know, to live life when you think about it. I mean, you you. Uh, you explained really well just that complacency zone you can find yourself in, right? And we all know there's practical reasons for that, you know. But at the end of the day, who wants to live a mundane life, really? 
I mean, I think there's nobody listening to this right now that if you just truly said, and this is you know a question that's thrown out there a lot in the personal development space, but if you just said, hey, listen, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you be doing? And if you can answer that question and it's not what you're doing now, then come on, man, make a courageous decision and do something about it. Chase it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, you learn something. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you could leave with the audience, personal or professional? Well, you know, I feel like I've said a lot about courageous decisions. Um, so, you know, there's there's a five-step guide to courageous decision-making's uh, making that I use. So I'm sure there's other ones out there. This may not work for everybody, um, but I would like to you know, give that out, something just really tangible for, for those out there who feel like, gosh, I, and here's what I believe. I believe everybody was built and created to be courageous. I think it's already in everyone. I don't think it's this nebulous thing out there that you hope to find one day, or it's like a four leaf clover. I think you already have inside of you everything you need to be courageous, but there sometimes just needs to be a spark or someone from the outside to help you see something in you that was already there, you know? And so, and and this won't take me long. It's pretty quick and we can post the notes or whatever. But the, the first thing is you have to decide what are the courageous decisions I need to make. Now, for me, it was just simple. I sat down and uh, I, I like to mind map, you know, not everybody knows that term or knows what that is. So for sake of explanation, it's just a certain way of writing out notes and, and creating your thoughts, you know. Um, you could do it in a list format work too, but you got to sit down and decide what are the areas of my life? You know, am I not really fully satisfied in my marriage? Am I not really fully satisfied in my friendships? Am I not really satisfied in my career, my job, my business? And then, so with that, okay, so then what's the courageous decision that needs to be made? You know? And so then the second thing is you have to turn, uh, determine what action is necessary to execute on that, right? Because it's one thing to know you have a problem, but then you've got to figure out what do I need to do about it? You know, so if it's if it's with my marriage and my marriage not where I want it to be, my intimacy is not where I want it to be, whatever, whatever it is, then I need to sit down with my spouse and make the courageous, courageous decision to have a conversation that maybe we've never had before in a really honest, intimate way. Uh, it could be with, you know, for me, and I'm not, this is not uh, career advice. This is not financial advice. This is none of that. But for me, I knew I needed to make the courageous decision of resigning and stepping out into something totally new, you know? Then the third thing is you need to establish a definitive timeline, right? Because we can do steps one and two, but if we don't make a decision at the same time when we're going to do it, it just becomes nothing much better than daydreaming, right? So even for the book, quick quick example, I, when I made the decision, it was one specific night, I had a conversation with actually uh, the gentleman who wrote my forward and I made the commitment, okay, I'm going to write the book. And so that's going to lead me into number four as well, which is tell someone trustworthy for accountability. So I immediately left where I was officing at that time and walked into the other room where my wife was and told her, okay, I'm going to write a book. She's like, okay. We have a friend who's a publisher. Do you want me to text her? And I'm like, 
yes, there's the accountability. There's the instant action, right? I'm like, yes, do it. And like 20 minutes later, and this, this is where I really want to encourage your audience is too, is you think a lot of the times you've got to know all the steps and you've got to figure everything out first. I had no idea how to write a book. I'd written some articles. So it's not like I, I've never written and I had no writing ability at all, but a book is a whole other thing. And so she ended up, the publisher friend texted back like 20 minutes later and said, well, I'd be glad to meet you for coffee anytime you want, but it just so happens I'm doing a two full day workshop starting tomorrow. Do you want to come? <laughs> so I'm like, yes. So I went and I got educated and learned some things about how to go about it too. You know, and there's a whole other, you know, obviously lesson than that, but I had to tell someone trustworthy for accountability. And then the last thing I want to leave the listeners with is, listen, once you have executed on one of these things, you have now already set in motion something that completely can change your thought patterns and the way you see risk and fear for the rest of your life. And so I recommend you execute on that courageous decision, whatever it is, and then you sit down, celebrate it, you know, drink your beer, tip a glass of wine, have a, have a diet soda, whatever it is, celebrate it. And then sit down immediately and write out five new courageous decisions that you need to make. Now, don't beat yourself up for that. Maybe you come up with three. But I say that. And the reason why I say five is because I really feel like you now have set something new in motion. And there may be some courageous decisions that you really need to make. But subconsciously, you started with something easier. <laughs> but once you've executed on one, then now you can stack them. You can stack courageous decisions and it just gets easier and easier and easier to execute on taking steps towards the life you really, really want, the relationships you want, the, the career you want, whatever that is. So I hope that's helpful, Roman. Uh, that's something I wanted to leave you with today. Yeah, no, it is. It's setting up that kind of uh, blueprint for success. And then once you, you know, implement it and enact it, then replicating it in other areas to whatever you want to apply to. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you have going on? Yeah. Thank you, Roman. Again, so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. The easiest way to connect with me is my website is Big Bold Brave. And I do say dot us. I am aware that it's actually dot us. So I don't mean to trip anybody up. Uh, but part of my vision for what I do is collaboration, much like we're doing here today. I, I don't believe anybody does anything great or helps thousands or millions of people on their own. I think collaboration is really has to be a core value for all of us. So it's big, bold, brave dot us. And on there, they can find really anything they want to find out about me. My coaching is on there. My um, book is on there. All of my social media platforms are on there. So it's easy to connect from there. And uh, what I what I want to just kind of forecast, and this is part of me making a courageous decision and putting it out there for accountability. Next year, one of the projects I want to do is I've had on my heart to do a podcast as well. And it will be called Stories of Big Bull Brave Humans. And I really just want to bring on people, not necessarily that have suffered my kind of loss, just anybody who has overcome different challenges in life and not just overcome them for their own success, but have also had a posture to help others in the process. So I'm really excited about that. But uh, right now I'm knee deep in launching my book, which is available right now for uh, pre-order and I can deliver sh you know short amounts of copies, 
my full launch will be February 1st. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Yeah. Thank you, Roman. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.